Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel. We'll be looking at chapter uh, 6. And we are going to read the whole chapter. Man, really, Paul? The whole chapter. Yeah, we're going to read the whole chapter. So let's pray that we can do that together well and stay in step. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. We get to study the word of God, that we get to share, and we get to be a conduit through whom your words get to impact each of our hearts. So I pray that you soften our hearts toward that end. Open up our eyes, as Psalm 119 and 18 says, so that we may see all that is in your law. Because if you don't open, we can't see, we can't hear. Holy Spirit, if you don't speak, I'm wasting my time. Help us, help me to be removed such that your voice can be heard. The words from Holy Scripture can be received by each of us, myself included. In Jesus' name, amen. Second um, Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 23. And as we like to do here, we're going to read together and we're going to be looking at the NIV, the New International Version. Second Samuel chapter 6. Verses 1 through 20, 23. Verse 1 says, David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim and on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead... He took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Verse 12. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God before the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. 
After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. Verse 22, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, unashamed. 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 That is the title of the message. And while there are so so many points we can discuss from this chapter, and we will touch on some throughout. The main emphasis that we're going to give from this text is, thank God he deserves it. So turn to the other neighbor and just encourage them by saying, thank God he deserves it. Thank God he deserves it. That'll be the second of 30 times maybe that we ask you to turn to your neighbor this morning. Um, For a few months now in our household, married to Taylor, we have three young children, we were talking about getting a bunk bed. We talked about it. We talked about it. Then we made the mistake, if you will, of mentioning to our kids that we would do so. And after that, then we really had to put something in motion. So this bunk bed talk started happening, and we thought, my Lord, what do we get ourselves into? Who's going to sleep on the top? Is there going to be a fight? What are the ground rules going to be about this bunk bed? Well, we decided to order one. And the bunk bed came to the house, and then the reality of it needing to be put together settled settled in. And it was one night, I said to the kids, you know, daddy's going to put it together tonight, so we're going to rearrange some things. I'm going to take your bed out of this room, put it in another room. You're going to come and sleep in here. And when you wake up in the morning, wow, the bunk bed will be there, and you can have fun with it. They said, really? We're excited. So they go to bed, everybody's sleeping in these unique unique, uh, uh, spaces for this one night. And I spent a lot of time putting this thing together, mess up, undo things, you know, go back, fix it, mess up again. And I'm up all night so nobody could tell. It just, it happened perfectly the first time. And then the kids wake up in the morning. They run into the room to see the bunk bed. And I'm kind of standing there. And I'm like, there's the bunk bed. And the kids said, we don't like it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm didn't say a word, right? But in my head, I'm like, do you know what it cost me, your father, to have done this for you? Do you know what it cost us to have paid for it? Do you have any sense of the significance, the layers of significance of this moment? Thinking that, but didn't say anything, just my head went on tilt for a second. You didn't like it, you know? And I said, huh? They said, yeah, we don't, we don't like it. We love it. And I said, oh, well played, well played. So my kids, they, they, they got me in that moment. And they start dancing and celebrating and jumping around. And, and we need to make rules. What are the ground rules, Daddy? How about no more than two on the top bunk? How about, and they're just excited and beyond themselves, undignified, if you will, 
in recognizing the significance of what daddy had done for them. We too, some of us in the room, recognize Jesus as being the reason for which we sit here today. Um, Some of us may not. Maybe we're questioning who's responsible for our being here, who's responsible for us having escaped death and so forth and so on. And maybe some of us just quite frankly think it's us. Because of me and my ability, I'm here today. Wherever you find yourselves, though I and the community we want to build here at Victory is that of recognizing Jesus Christ as being the reason for a healed child, for peace that passes all understanding. The challenge at times is in celebrating the significance of what we know to be true because of our succumbing to what we think others might be saying to us. And so there's this tension, possibly, that we all might feel around celebrating what we know deserves said celebration and kind of laying low because of what others might have to say. In this chapter, chapter 6, actually zooming out a little bit more, First and Second Samuel both were written by Samuel, and it's in many ways a, a discussion of the covenant of kingship for David. And in this chapter, chapter 6, David now is king. He'd been anointed king and so forth, but now he's actually the king. And he's now bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem because of under King Saul's reign, the worship, if you will, of, of Yahweh had diminished. Saul wasn't exactly the most obedient. And so there's celebratory behavior now on the part of David as they're bringing this Ark of the Covenant back to restoring the Lord and worship of him back to center focus. They were thanking God because they knew he deserved it. They were acknowledging and recognizing the significance of the presence of God, which the Ark of of the Covenant or the Ark of Testimony or the Ark of Jehovah is uh, representative of. If you remember in Exodus, um, uh, where chapter 25 or so, where the Lord uh, kind of told exactly what the actual parameters would be, this number of cubits high, this long overlaid with gold and have the rings on the side, as you see, and these, these poles of acacia wood overlay that with gold. And then they're going to put the cherubim here sort of facing each other. And I'm going to sit there on that mercy seat and speak to you. And it's in this Ark of the Covenant then that the testimony, the word of God in the form of the Ten Commandments given to Moses sits. Then later there was some other things like Aaron's staff that was in there, a pot of manna. But it represents the presence of God. So they're celebrating David and all of this whole crew of 30,000 because the presence of God is making its return to Jerusalem. They're thanking God because he deserves it. I imagine David was thinking of the victories won. Chapter 5, if you were to go back a little bit, he, he, he conquered the Jebusites, for example. And then... Uh, when the Philistines got word that he was going to be made king, they went after him and he said, God, do I need to attack them and take care of him too? And God said, yes, go up. Parenthetical. How many of us are just running into battles that aren't ours or are we asking, is this a battle for you to fight? David asked that in the previous chapter and God said, yes, absolutely. So he's thinking, I imagine, of the victories God had won in his life and now celebrating the presence of of God. He recognized the value of what was there, and he's celebrating with all of his might, verse 4 and 5 say. If I didn't know God, and I've been walking with him now for, I don't know, 
little while, um, 1992, the summer of 92 is when I first accepted him. Um, I would have known him, Kate, on December 1st, 2010, the day our first child was born. And I thought to myself, holy cow, whoever designed this process of the baby being formed and somehow living inside of my wife, and now I'm watching this thing happen and, and there has to be a God that can create that miraculous feat. If I didn't know him before then, I definitely knew him then. Even with the hiccups that come along and she came out and eyes and things of that nature that we now expect to be, but there were some things not so great such that we left her in NICU and went home without a baby, which is a difficult thing to do for any parent that's had to endure that. And yet in that, the fragility of life and all of the sort of chaos that might want to emerge in our soul, we, we saw Jesus like this is, God, you're amazing. And you're going to give her the oxygen she needs in this NICU, which he did. And, and you are forever celebrated with all of our might, if nothing else is ever done. Maybe you don't have children, but maybe you were healed. Maybe that car accident that should have taken you out didn't. Maybe the tragedy that did befall you, because life is full of them too. Somehow you are still here today taking a step and putting one foot in front of the other. And through that, you're recognizing God in the comfort of what was a difficult time. The health scare maybe that you had, the, the class that should have been a D and somehow turned into a C or a B that you needed. Whatever the circumstance is, we get the opportunity to thank God because regardless of circumstance, he deserves it. But then the story takes a little bit of a turn. It says that David, in verse 3, put the ark of God on a new cart, which, again, isn't the focus, but kind of along the way, some points to be made. More study would reveal that he was basically following the Philistine path of how to transport this ark. And as I read that and kind of looked into it, not the main point, I thought, God, in what way am I trying to fit you into what I think is a new thing and a cooler thing when you're just saying, let me be me in your life and stop trying to make me fit your philosophy or your framework or your structural arrangement of logic. David put him on a new cart. Shiny, good. I'll, we'll travel this way. And when that new cart got unstable, it says Uzzah went to kind of stabilize this ark and God got a little angry. Some inconclusive evidence around why he chose Uzzah to die. Some say, oh, he wasn't the priest. He shouldn't have been carrying it. Whatever the reason that I'm not quite certain of is, we know that he died in that moment, which led David to do something interesting. Peace out, presence of God. <laughs> I'm going to leave you over here, right here at Obed-Edom's house. <laughs> I'm good. I'm moving on. Said he was angry at God and afraid. How many of us, I wonder, things happen, life happens, tragedies happen, difficulties happen, and we say, why? Whether it was the Lord's wrath or not, just things that don't make sense. Lord, why would you, a loving God would allow Uzzah, he was a good brother trying to help. That's it. Why? Anybody find themselves in moments like David? I'm careful about getting on people in the Bible too much because I'm sure I'll be looking at the back of his head in heaven. He is a man after God's own heart, but yet we can learn something from him that we don't want to befall. Like, I, I don't ever want to distance myself from your presence because I'm that angry. Said he got his mind back about three months later, though, when he heard, oh, Obed-Edom's house is getting blessed, David. 
the presence of God is chilling there. You, you sure about this whole thing? He said, let's go and go back and get that Ark of the Covenant and let's take that on into Jerusalem. I want the presence of God. How many know whatever might befall us in life is real, is it not? But it's so much better with the presence of God with us than it is without us. I want him in the boat when the winds and the waves come to my life. Amen. David got his act together, came on back and said, let's get this Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. We're going to keep going on our way. This is a little bit of a chuckle moment for me. You can bear with me if you don't kind of roll with me on this. But I thought it was interesting that he kind of waited six steps. If you read it, it said they took six steps. And then he said, I'm going to kill this fat cat. Brother was like, let me see first if anybody else is about to drop <laughs> before I say thank you. I'm going to see a victory. We praise him in advance, right? Amen. All kinds of messages. And, and, and so he waits to these six steps, but then he gets his mind back and it says in verse 14, he's now dancing before the Lord with all of his might. The message version uh, of the Bible and, and for verse 4 and for 14 talks about him singing at the top of his lungs. There were timbrels, as we referenced earlier, lyres and harps. They were making some, some noise, having a party. But his wife, significant other, McCall, said she was looking out the window and despising him, despising his celebration of God. There will be people, maybe our people, close to you, who when you celebrate Jesus and you love to do nothing more than to celebrate with them, they'll despise everything about it. And that hurts because you want them to join you. Don't you see God in this? Don't you see the presence of the almighty king with us today? Join me in this. It says his wife, men and women were there. So she straight up chose. I'm not going. And there may be some close to you. Heck, you might be the one hating on your, your significant other or family member who's celebrating Jesus. And like McCall, you're like, mm. <laughs> who do you think you are? Attacking him at every front just for wanting to celebrate this moment. They bring the Ark of the Lord into the tent that David had set up for it. They throw this party, which I imagine had chicken and waffles, of course. <laughs> Some Albemarle Bacon Company, Princess Kate, Kilwins. Anyways, praline, pecan, uh, Kilwins ice cream for all of them. But how tough might it have been then for David not to be with the one that loved him, that covered him when Saul was trying to get after him? She was with him, but in this moment despised him, and yet... Stayed faithful. Can I encourage you? Remain faithful in those moments. Stay unashamed. Continue to thank God because he deserves it, even in the midst of what might be an incredibly trying circumstance for you. It says he even returned home to bless his home. And I thought about a prophet being without honor in his own home. Macau doesn't even wait for him to get to the door. She gets out of the home and says, oh, look at you. You're supposed to be a king. Looking foolish like all these regular common folk. That's what she's getting at. These vulgar fellows out here running around half naked. Anybody ever say anything to you that was just completely absurd and so extreme? The brother had on a linen ephod, and if, if he was dressed the way the priests were dressed, he had on some undergarments that covered some things up. But, you know, like, hey, you've been gone all day. <laughs> it's actually only been an hour. You're running around here half naked, giving him the business. Sure, nobody ever has that. With him. But a quick side note to that, which I think is important for how you pray for people that you might hold up in whatever regard. I saw this and I thought, Lord, 
I don't care where we find ourselves or how much promotion we get and where we sit. Man, trouble will come to your doorstep. Family drama will be yours. I don't care what office you might sit in. So we pray for those folks so you might think, oh, surely they don't have that issue. Guarantee you they're having a lot of the same. So they in this house were having regular issues like anybody else out here half naked. What are you doing? David kind of quips back. Listen, first of all, I'm willing to become even more undignified than this. I'm willing to humble myself even more in the eyes of God and the significance of his presence with us today. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to, to, to receive the shaming, if you will, that you're giving to me right now. And I thought, God, how many of us are willing in the face of whatever shaming? And I'm not talking about being weird and, and chaotic in your office space or anything like that. I'm just talking about presenting him and bearing his image and celebrating what we know to be worth our celebration, thanking him because he deserves it in the face of what might be even those closest to us coming at us with everything. Thank you, God. You deserve it. I remember growing up, I would joke my pops because he would, uh, before he went and played racquetball at Bally's, he'd be on the floor doing like this stuff. And he would be stretching. And he would need like 20 minutes, right? Like, and I'd be like, Dad, what are you doing? Like, just go play. Let's go. And now, when I go to ACAC and, and get in my boy Chris Collins' class, I've tried it a couple of times. It didn't work out well to roll up in there and just work out, and I'm, my back is hurting and everything. So now I'm that guy going in 20 minutes early, Chase, because the brother's got a stretch. <laughs> Quads, and I'm doing like Dr. Uh, Joe Park, who did my Achilles surgery, said to do dynamic stretching, Lee, right? So I'm running, high knees. Right. And then I'm stretching a little bit and I'm doing everything I need to do because I recognize the significance of my stretching for that moment. And then I get in the class, Bryant, and I'm going at it with all of my might. I've been doing it for a few years now. And Chris has taught me that some of the things that we do, Melinda, is good for my posture. It's good for my my core, it's good for my mental health. And so whatever he tells me to do, I'm doing it. And I'm looking silly with a lot of folks who sit in this room and I'm doing this. And I'm doing this. And I'm doing everything he says to do. Right? I'm doing it because my posture's getting better. My heart rate's going up. My mental health is better. I'm a better father. I can be better for my wife. Everything. What else? I'm not about to do a burpee, but I'm doing it because I recognize the significance of the moment and what it means. And then after the class, I'm like the guys who I used to make fun of too, high-fiving everybody. <laughs> we did it, celebrating this moment. Why? One, because I'm not hurt. And two, because I recognize the significance of what just happened and what that means outside of me. And I wonder today, if there's anyone in the room, because all of what I just did, you don't typically see on a stage, a little undignified, a little crazy, but we don't care who's looking through the door. We don't care who's looking through the windows at us. Why? Because we know what we're celebrating in that room Monday and Wednesday and Saturday and something on Thursday if you're really crazy. We know. And we leave saying, we're going to see you in a couple days and do it all over again. Side note, doing it in community is amazing too. There's something about that. 
But what does it look like for us to be just as undignified? Serving God with all of our might, celebrating him with all of our might, dancing with all of our might. Yes, I get we praise God differently. Don't, yeah, receive that. I get it. But what does it look like for you to to celebrate him with all of your might, to thank him because he deserves it? What does that look like? The Ark of the Covenant was coming into Jerusalem, and the good news for us is now the Holy of Holies, the inner part of the temple that only the high priest could go into and sacrifice for his and everybody else's sins, the veil was torn. And now we and me, we get to be in, you, if you will, the Ark that now stewards and, and, and gets to hold the gospel of Jesus Christ, his testimony. So we get to carry his presence wherever we go, which means really... Not just when the ark is rolling back through in this case, but every single day of our lives, we get to celebrate with all of our might in the classroom, in the workplace, <laughs> in ACAC, in our home. What does it look like for you, for me to say, you know what? He's worthy. I'm going to give him everything that I've got, whatever that looks like, undignified. If anybody knows Stephen Heard, that song that he wrote. And I'll become even more undignified than this. Why? Because I recognize who I am not and who he is. That's our prayer for this community, for us sitting here today and the much broader community that is in Charlottesville, that we would be unashamed in our thanksgiving to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this moment that we've had to delve just a little bit into this text today, rich with nuggets of wisdom and nuggets of applicable truths and principles that we can apply to our lives, not the least of which is there's reason to give you thanks because you deserve it. There's reason to be unashamed before you. There's reason to, like the psalmist says, shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph, clap our hands. There's reason to dance before you and not worry about what anybody else is thinking. God, may this be a space of freedom for us to express set praise in decency and in order, as unto you. May we celebrate you with all of our might here on Sunday mornings, absolutely, corporately, together, in community, and high five in the name of Jesus. And on Monday, may we celebrate you with our behavior, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. With eyes closed and heads bowed, you might be sitting here and have yet to give your hearts over to Jesus and accept him as your Lord. If that is you, raise your hand and you want to do that today, raise your hand really high. For those who are live streaming at home, if that is you and you're sitting at home saying, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior, you can repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for being there even when I didn't want you to be. Today, I commit to turn away from sin and to follow you with my whole heart. I commit to stop trusting in myself and to trust in you. Today, I commit to you being Lord of my life forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For those of us here.